0: the delay we have had technical difficulties even though that is the new norm when you're talking about doing this stuff through the interwebs but this is wednesday and you know what that means this is another episode of knockouts and three counts but before we get to that with cody the Codebreaker, breaker lynn talking about his fight for anthony pettis fc fighting for that flyweight title we got to tell you about our sponsors over at Pod- potter's tree service uh potter's tree service are the people to go to if you need tree removal tree trimming chipping service storm damage cleanup walnut logging lot clearing all that stuff can be found at the website that's in the description but hey i can tell you what potter's tree service can do but why don't i just show you so i'll check out this uh little commercial from our sponsors over here and get to the show This is the Ring of Honor, aka Shane T. Boy, the baddest champion you ever seen, boy. This is Mr. Anderson. This good old JR. Jim Ross, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Palmer, Palmer, we got (laughs) a new world champion. That might be one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Knockouts and Three Counts, is the podcast, eighty-six real deal. Knockouts and Three Counts starts now. And just like that, we're back at it. This is Knockouts and Three Counts. Again, sorry for the delay. My internet decided to take a shit right when I got to the studio, and since I got, uh, you know, one of those shoot jobs over at the post office, I was a little preoccupied. But without any further ado, we've got the return of our guy, Cody the Codebreaker Lynn, before he steps into the cage for Anthony Pettis FC and tries to go get himself some more gold. So first of all, Cody, how the hell are you? Thanks for coming back to the show. How you doing?
1: Doing good. Glad to be back on, for
0: sure. We're appreciative to have you back on. Shout out to Chris checking us out out there in Massachusetts. If you guys are checking in, let us know where you're checking it out from. But, dude, you know, you had quite the result in your last fight. You got quite the fight lined up for you now with Anthony Pettis FC, and you've got another past guest of the show in the co-main event right before you jump in there and ask our Askar as well. So before we get to your next fight, Tell me how you're feeling now that you're a little bit removed from your last fight, and uh, were there any big takeaways you had from your last trip to the cage? Um, yeah, obviously it, it went my way. It was it was a good win. Um, hey, yo. But, but yeah, the,
1: the takeaways, I mean, I still learned a lot from the fight, even though it was three minutes. I always learned a lot from, from every fight. Um, I think the biggest takeaway, honestly, is uh, Dan was willing to come out and train, and, like, we, we got to talk a lot, sit down, and just – Talking in general about MMA and and different things and, and train together. So I think out of the whole experience, that was probably one of the the coolest things was fighting someone and then be able to train with them. And we're both very humble, you know, we both understand the sport. And I think that was a a big thing because now it helps me even now, right for this camp. So honestly, that all was a really cool
0: experience. Well, that's Corey, you're muted by the way, but uh, that said, um, That brings Uh, up something that we've been talking about a lot on uh, the show as far as training goes. Let me ask you, in 2023, are you a guy who likes the method of training all your stuff in one spot? Or are you a guy who likes to go hit multiple spots? Because like I've talked about on the show before, when I first started training, man, you didn't really have a lot of places that you could train everything all in one spot. And now you've got a lot of these super gyms that are up and things like that. But we're starting to see more. And ironically, with Askar Askar, who we just talked about for his last fight, you know, he talked to us about, uh, you know, leaving Factory X and kind of liking to get looks from a few different gyms. What about you? Are you doing everything at Rothwell? Or are you uh, kind of hitting the different bases for this camp?
1: Um, yeah, no, I go. So I do half my training at, um, at Rothwell and half my training at BFS now in uh, Chicago. Um, it's right by O'Hare. And then also I have a boxing coach. Which he comes to the gym, but he owns his own gym too. So, yeah, I, I try and get the best I can with, with what I have around me, right? Um, and like Rothwell VFS, my boxing coach, like it's all good work all around. It's really high level, high quality. So, yeah, I, I try and venture out and, and find what's going to help me become the best me I can be.
2: The one thing I, to spin back before I was muted and went to start to ask the question, but – Dumbass forgot to unmute myself. Uh, it's got to be such an advantage to your game. If you you bring up uh, training with your past opponent, it's got to be such an advantage well, to your no, game. If you guys are really honest. Uh, training with, each- with VF. It, it's got to be such a big advantage, actually, like learning your strengths and weaknesses. If you guys are really honest with each other and where he feels as though you felt strong, whereas though he felt he had advantages in the fight and stuff that, that's got to lead to a huge advantage in your direction to be able to actually hear that stuff and take it in and work in on those particular aspects of your game.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Like uh, obviously he's a high level pro, right? Like he was undefeated mm-hmm. before then, like he knows what he's doing. He's been in the game for a long time. So yeah, we, we talk and we like, oh, you're strong here, you're weak here, or this and that. And, like, we're just – we're honest with each other, you know. Like, nobody's trying to hide anything or be nice, you know. We're trying to be honest to, to improve each other, you know. And that's why I I, I want to keep trying to bring guys in like that, especially, like, to Rocco and, like, have high-level guys there all the time, you know, because, um, again, at VFS, I've trained half the time there. And, like, we already know those guys, UFC, Boles, or PFL, like, all kinds of stuff. So I just want to make sure everywhere I go, there's always me be high-level training partners
2: was that your first uh experience either training with somebody that you fought or training with somebody and then happening to fight them
1: um yeah yeah i think that's the first time i ever like fought someone and then actually trained Like i have talked to people before like oh we should train again that really happened this is like the first time i actually fought someone and then we actually ended up training like a month later
0: well and i mean the thing is you always hear people talk about in fights Like, you know, you learn so much about the person you're in the cage with and gaining that respect from being in the cage with somebody. I mean, it's something that you're seeing a lot more of in 2023. And you talk about VFS. I mean, that's a gym that, if I'm not mistaken, they got Juliana Pena over there. They got Bilal Muhammad's over there. I mean, you talk about high-level training. I mean, you don't really get too much higher level than that when you're talking about somebody like Juliana Pena, who was one of the ones to be able to dethrone, and Manda Nunez, and Bilal Muhammad, who many people, myself included, either consider the uncrowned welterweight champion or the guy that's been shit next for quite a fucking while. He's
1: coming for it. He's coming for it. For sure.
0: I'm ready to see it. I want to see... I don't give a damn if it's him versus Colby. I don't care if it's him versus um leon edwards man i just want to see this guy get a title shot
1: that's all i want to see he deserves it man he's been forever Mm -hmm. he's being everybody you know like give him the shot already Uh,
2: i feel bad for him too because it was like that last one was his title eliminator and then because it took it took so long to book the actual title matchup that it feels like that fight was so long ago that it's like does does he now have to kind of fit in another one because of that, or is the promise still kept even though it's you know a year plus in advance now?
1: Yeah, he they just need to give it to him. And, like they keep skipping over him. Like, oh, this guy needs this guy's. Oh man, he's he's they beat everybody right now. Like, who else is it beat besides the champ? You know, like give him give him the belt, man.
0: I I couldn't agree more, dude. That's pretty but- much. I mean, the only thing that's left for him at when, this point. Yeah, when
1: they were when they were
2: calling for that uh, Kamaru Usman fight with him, I was like, that would be a that'd be a good one. But yeah. with Kamaru potentially staying at 185 now, it uh, I, it changes the whole landscape of the division. So.
0: Going to have to see how this plays out, but, you know, that's another thing to talk about in and of itself. I mean, we talked a little bit about your last fight. You're stepping into this fight here now for Anthony Pettis FC. You're going to be fighting for the flyweight title. First of all, talk to me about getting to fight on a stage like APFC and it being in, you know, your home spot out there in Milwaukee like that. I mean, it's you're going to be able to have a lot of your fans around and a big platform with them being on UFC Fight Pass. What are your thoughts uh, headed into this fight and having such a high-profile fight after your last performance?
1: Yeah, no, I it's I'm very grateful for it, right? Like it's a big opportunity. Fight for APFC, like they're growing. I mean, you see the names, the guests they're bringing in. You know, Anthony Pettis is doing the right thing and giving everybody opportunities to to really showcase themselves, right? He's giving the platform. You just got to perform, and, and that's my plan. But like, I've tried not to get too much into at least right now. get too much into oh this and that uh he's gonna be there they're gonna be there there's gonna be all these people watching I just gotta focus on what's what the task at hand is and that's Dylan Cox where I gotta defeat him and then after just like my last fight like I was just focused on on winning that fight against Dan Moriarty and then I kind of like sat back and like wow you know like John Jones is uh you know I fought on UFC fight pass I was the main event you know kind of then I went back and looked at it but I don't want to celebrate so to speak too early and like take this in now i I want to i want to just focus on what i got to do and then after okay i did it now i can enjoy what actually happened you know
2: understandably so and to your point with like the performing in front of john jones and stuff i remember us talking about that on the last one i know not to spin your mental into that because like you said you don't want to focus on that and stuff but it does help to your point bring in so many more eyeballs when all the posters and stuff and all that type of stuff. I'll say like, Hey, we're going to have so-and-so on the commentary. We're going to have so-and-so do, you know, like they're having a good list of names come in. So that should definitely help differentiate um, Anthony Pettis uh, his fight organization on the UFC uh, fight path.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's good too, for everybody. Like, it's I can't just ignore it completely. Like it's there, you know. Like oh, the, the big the big stage, right? It's there, but it's like giving us that experience of fighting in front of all these high level guys, right? In front of this this big crowd, so to speak, with everybody there. So it gives you that experience. So at least when you go, you know, next step UFC belts or whatever it is, at least you have that experience of fighting in front of people that really know what's going on and their, their names matter, you know. So I think it's good in that aspect too, because like it makes the crowd feel more. More legit i guess more like okay this is this is where i'm at this is the level i'm on right now
2: and it could really open some doors too if you're able to shake the right hands and stuff like that yeah. and just get in front of the right faces and have conversations with people it can it can really help with a mma career like yourself
0: well Let's talk about the business at hand first. You know, like he said, you know, we don't want to count the chickens before yeah, they hatch. Absolutely. You've got a I hell don't of a fight spin with spin your
2: mentality that way, but
0: Yeah. They've got a he's got a hell of a fight coming up against mm-hmm. Dylan Cox. Um tell me what are your thoughts on this fight looking into Dylan Cox. Dylan Cox is uh also on a two fight win streak as well with uh with his, I mean he's fought for CFFC, LFA. I mean, you're getting another guy just like yourself who's had High level competition, which is another you know good person for you to have on your resume, not just as somebody to fight, but you know that you're in there with the top, you know you're in there with the top um, talent outside of the UFC and the regional stage. What do you think about this fight with Dylan Cox?
1: I like it. Like you're saying, I think it's it's that next step. You know, it's it's a good test for me. Um, he has that experience on the on the bigger stages, at least locally. You know, and, and tougher opponents, so He has experience against them too. Um, but, yeah, I, I, for him, it, I feel like he's well-rounded everywhere. You know, there's a lot of guys that are just good at striking, just good at grappling. You know, he, he he's pretty good everywhere. You know, his striking's good, his wrestling's good, his grappling's good. So I think, actually, since he's good at all three, it's going to give me the opportunity to show what I can do, full MMA, everything. Because I really think, like, this fight's going to take place on the feet, during the wrestling, and on the ground. Then you guys are going to see all aspects, and it's going to show – where my level is right now
2: with mentality wise, when you're going against somebody like that, that you consider well-rounded what's your focus on that? Do you go in there expecting to use like your specialties or like you say, do you try to kind of more bring your more well-rounded game to somebody else's already
1: well-rounded game? Yeah. So in my eyes, it's like, I feel confident in all these in all these positions and all these situations, right? The striking, the wrestling, the grappling. So I'm not gonna force anything, you know, like I feel confident in my skills. So I'm just gonna let it play out. You know, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not gonna say, Oh, my striking's way better, I'm keeping it on the feet, or my grappling is way better, I'm bring to the ground. He's good everywhere too. I just feel like my skill set is better, right? So I feel like I can use that in every aspect and then wherever it goes, it goes. I'm not gonna try and Force one thing, because when you start forcing things, it's not going to work, right? So I'm just going to flow, and then whatever happens, happens in the fight.
0: So with that said, do you expect in this fight to end in another finish for you, or do you think that this one's got the potential to go, you know, the full five rounds and be a war for you since it's a title fight?
1: Um, I always expect to finish. Honestly, I out of myself, that's what I expect for myself, you know. When I go in there, anytime I like, you know, you always think about the fight over and over and over. Every day I just lean up. I never like in my head have oh this is gonna be a decision I always see myself or think about getting a finish you know that's just my mentality you know like i I don't like going to the judges whether I dominate the three rounds five rounds or or it's back and forth I just I want to get the finish no matter what right so sure any fight could go to decision right he's tough it, there's very well to go a to decision but in my head and my eyes right now I, I see me getting a finish.
0: And I mean, at this point, I mean, and it's a sad thing to say, and it's one thing, don't get me wrong, Uh, obviously with us having the pro wrestling background as well, everybody likes to see action, everybody likes the car crash, everybody likes the fights when somebody gets in there and you see Rock'em Sock'em robots, but let's face it, this is a business, you got to win these fights regardless, and that's got to be goal number one. But I would argue that in 2023, that it's, especially with what we're seeing with a lot of the people that are getting into the UFC coming from uh, uh, Dana White's contenders here. Nope.
2: Some of them internet issues biting um, back.
0: Huh? Right, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> I don't know. Internet's still <laughs> acting up. But to finish what I was trying to say, you know, you see in 2023, you hear it talked about um, during the... Uh, contender series every week that finishes and being impressive in these fights is almost as important as winning them because I can't tell you how many people like our guy past guest of the show Kenny Cross you know the guy made weight twice in two weeks beats the guy in his contender series fight and then the same guy gets another shot down the season and he ends up getting into the UFC so being exciting is almost as uh important as getting these wins so it's good that you have um, that mindset going into it and feeling like a finish is on the horizon with that. But going into this fight, this also makes this camp uh, really interesting for you as well. As your coach, uh, Ben Rothwell is getting ready to step back into that BKFC ring against uh, Alan Belcher. So tell me about uh, Ben being in camp with you. Has that changed anything for you this time around? Has it made camp any, any more tougher or a little bit more edge to the camp? With having him in it, and is there any wisdom that you're catching from him being able to train alongside him right at the top level like that with BKFC?
1: Um, real quick, he's it's fight. He's fighting Todd Duffy and Island Belcher. Oh, that's right,
0: Todd Duffy. I was thinking Belcher because they were going back and forth. Not My best fight. but
1: yeah, but he's fighting Todd Duffy. But um, yeah, I mean, in general, I feel like we kind of feed off each other, like motivation wise. Like we know we're supposed to be training. You know, if I'm training, he sees that he wants to train, kind of thing. So it's like it's a little more motivating being in camp with somebody else, you know, especially when like, like Ben, he's my coach, my friend, you know, like we're really close. And then wisdom wise, all every day, he's, he's helped me and give me some knowledge that I can use. And it, it, he just really knows the game so well and guides me through this so well that I trust hundred percent, everything he's saying, whatever he does, I say, it's just, he says it. I say, yes, sir. And then we move on because I have complete faith and confidence in what he's doing for me and in my career. So again, like big shout out to Ben, but yeah, definitely, a uh, motivating, you know, he has a fight coming up, I have a fight coming up. It,
0: it definitely helps the whole aspect around the gym. How, how does that, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, that's something that I've seen a lot through the years, not only with guys that I've trained with, but with the fighters that we've had on the show. Um, how much more peace does that give you as you step into the cage to know that, you know, having been in your corner, you know, you trust that he's going to give you the right advice. You're not worried about you know, what you're getting in the corner because you know with a guy that has that level of experience um, that he knows what time it is. How much of a calming factor is that for you inside the cage?
1: Honestly, it might be more calming than I realized because he's always been in my corner. You know, I think there's been a couple fights where he wasn't in my amateur career, but even then I had like other guys that were already in UFC or close to that had that experience, but I think it's it's more calming than than I realized. You know, because I don't really think of it like that, but because I've never had someone in my corner that, like didn't know what was going on. You know, so I think I'm just uh, kind of I guess to say ignorant to that. You know, like <laughs> like I've always had on my corner, so I don't have to you know worry about that. But yeah, I never thought about that. that's a good way to to put it.
0: I mean, it's just something that goes into the game. Never something to where you're like overcome by any means. But like you yeah, said, yeah. I mean, being around fighting, you know, you'll see, you know, you'll see people change coaches over and over again, even on the regional scene. And so being able to have that one resounding voice. And I mean, again, we talked about it the last time you came through. I mean, Ben, anyone that doesn't know, knows that he's an OG of the game. I mean, I've been hearing about Ben since my coach was still fighting and we're talking 2000 and. Eight two 2007 i mean your coach and my coach fought each other in mma back in the king of the cage days so like i said that tells you you know the wealth of knowledge that you're getting it from and again um obviously i misspoke on the opponent but i mean dude he's right at the top about to be you know right next up if not next up for a heavyweight title shot in the bkfc as well um Talk to me about that fight he's got with Todd Duffy. I mean, Todd Duffy, I was there when he had the, what was it, the second or third fastest knockout that they ever had in the UFC. Uh, You know, and so for him to be coming in for bare knuckle, that's somebody who obviously is going to have the power, but uh, Ben has the experience going into this one, already having some experience with BKFC. How do you like this fight? Do you think Ben uses the MMA clinch and those kind of things to take the advantage, or how do you see this fight uh, playing out?
1: Honestly, yeah, I see I see Ben getting the finish. Like, nothing against Todd Duff, you know, but, like, I think it's going to be – I think Ben is too much for him. Like, I don't know if you guys seen the the press conference. Ben's, like, looks like he's twice his size, you know. It's, like, he's way bigger. But even skill set-wise, I just think Ben is too much for a lot of these guys in BKFC. And, like, you're saying, like, they clinch. Not a lot of guys can clinch. Like, that's one of Ben's favorite things, and he used it really well. Obviously, his last fight, you've seen it, you know. So, like, he has more tools, I feel like. And, like, he's just, he's just tough, big and tough, man. If he lands a shot, I think Todd Duffy knows, like, that's game over, you know.
2: Yeah, it's hard to for any heavyweight to last in there with a guy like Ben Rothwell, that's for sure.
0: Well, because he's also durable, too. I mean, yeah. Ben has already mm-hmm. proven he's not afraid to take a shot either, which makes you even more dangerous because he's willing to walk forward. And, like you said, if he can get a hold of you, the clinch is really where he feels as though, you know, he's got his best advantage. With that said, I mean, you say that we think we're going to see a finish with Todd Duffy. You know, I mentioned uh, the other name who's really been swirled around uh, with Ben, and that's an eventual fight, hopefully, with Alan Belcher. What do you think on the back and forth we've seen between them two, and if that fight ever gets signed or put pen to paper, how do you see that fight going?
1: Yeah, I always see Ben win the fights, right? I really believe his size, how tough he is, you know, like his fighting style, I just feel like it's a lot. Like, it's a lot to take on, you know. Like, having that in front of you is not easy. You know, I see him spar all the time, and, like, he goes and goes and goes. And the fact that it's five rounds, two minutes, conditioning now is not a problem for him. You know, I mean, you've seen his last fight. That was even in elevation. He was he was still going, you know. So, like, I feel like him making the transition, especially this at this point in his career, there's so many benefits, and he can really show just – how good his boxing is about where, you know, kicks, takedowns, and all that. But, again, I think he's going to beat Alan Butcher, too. Obviously, I I think he's a little bit, obviously, Alan Butcher's a champ, so I think he's a little bit tougher than Todd Duffy, a tougher matchup. But I still see him getting the finish, probably third, fourth round.
2: You brought up elevation. Isn't this fight in uh, Utah at elevation?
1: Yeah, it's not as much, though, as when he was in Denver. That's kind of what we're talking about. Because, like, in Denver, he went out a, a month earlier to get used to that. This time mm-hmm. I believe he's just gonna go out like the regular one week kind of thing. Cause it's not as as crazy as elevation as it was when he went to uh, Denver. Okay.
2: Cause we, I know I don't I don't know about what venue or whatever it's being held at, but I know for the UFC when they that held one's in Florida, there, I believe. Is is it? I, I thought it was Utah. I'm like 99. Let me see.
0: I'm I'm, I'm I'm pulling it up right now thought i saw that i could be wrong on the right. placement
1: because
2: i remember uh dave feldman talking about they're bringing it there because a bunch of their
1: sponsors are there or some shit yeah because originally i think it was going to be florida for okay
0: that that makes sense yeah okay. didn't it wasn't it supposed to be florida and they changed it because of sponsors or something like that yeah. wasn't that the because they're they either
2: way go ahead oh. I was just going to say either way, the reason why I brought it up is I know, like you said, this one being at a lesser elevation, that's definitely good for somebody like Ben Rothwell, big guy. I'm sure that takes a lot to get that type of of uh, body uh, adapt to uh, altitude. But that being said, um, I know when the UFC has ran events there, they you definitely see it take a
1: toll on some of them guys for sure. Yeah. That's a big deal. I trained – it was a while ago, but I trained to... – in denver and like i was just warming up and i was like like, breathing heavy and sweating i'm like what is going on there's no way my conditioning is this bad you know not even thinking and then obviously but yeah it's 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 different up there for sure
0: yeah it is salt lake city utah it's gonna be december 2nd which make sure you guys stay tuned because a little birdie told me that the champ christine faria might be flying through here again soon so we'll have something to talk about uh, with that card as well as Michigan zone, the Mohawk Esteban Rodriguez is also going to be back on that card. So we've got a lot to pay attention to come BKFC, but talk to me, you know, with you fighting on Anthony Pettis FC, as we talked about, there is, uh, I mean, you guys, as far as a regional card, man, I'm looking, I'm looking up and down this, you guys have got a lot of good fights on this card. I mean, the co-main event, you got Motes Askar versus Ty Johnson, Uh, five and one versus 12, uh, 12 and six guy, good records. You've got, uh, Sergio Palacienza. I'm going to guess that's how you say that. I could have said that wrong versus Corey Beck, but you got another three and one guy versus two and two guy, but you got a lot of experience up and down this card. I mean, they just came back from, uh, England there as well. So you got to tell me if everything goes as planned, this fight is for an interim title fight. Um, is your goal if this fight goes as you plan it to unify the belts at flyweight uh, in APFC next, or what are your thoughts on with this being an interim fight? Um, So,
1: like before, I don't want to, I don't really look past this fight, you know, like, I don't want to start planning, oh, I, I win the belt, okay, now I defend the belt, okay, now I just, I'm focused on this fight, right, just like mm-hmm. the last time, I'm focused on this fight, this is the fight I need to win, if I win this fight, okay, now we can kind of talk about that, but I feel like those thoughts aren't even in my head until I accomplish this goal first, right? So if if I defend the title or, or, sorry, if I actually get the real title after this or whatever, that that can happen. That's the future, right? Right now, I'm focused on the, on the present, and that's Dylan Cox, right? That's my mission right now. Once that happens, then we can kind of continue and, and talk to see what happens after.
2: I mean, beyond what it means for your career and stuff, but personally, what what does it mean for you right now to win a championship on a level like that in uh,
1: Anthony Pettis's fight, fight organization? Yeah, I've never fought for a title ever, amateur or pro, or right? it's my first wow. title ever. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So this is a this is a big deal to me, right? Um, mm-hmm. one fighting as a pro for titles like usually if you fight for a title as a pro most of the time you know it's a big deal but now Mm -hmm. taking up a step for APFC you know like this title really means something you know and I feel like as the organization grows the belts can grow with it. meaning it's going to have more meaning behind it you know right so I really think it's a big opportunity for me it's going to mean a lot you know like I feel this is like everything I've been working for and it's kind of my time to prove and show everybody like I'm on this level, you know, and like, it's not just me, you know, it's my whole team. It's my friends, my family. There's a lot behind this. And again, the bell is kind of just a trophy so to speak to like represent, like we did this, you know, just like a, a checkpoint, you know, in, in my career for sure.
0: Well, and definitely like Corey mentioned a little bit too, again, with a organization like that, you're getting, you're getting, you know, that top level competition, before you're getting to the UFC, because not only, you know, even though technically they're still considered a regional promotion, I mean, they just got back from running a show in Manchester. How many, I mean, how many, you know, regional promotions do you see that are going to an England or like LFA, how we see them go to Brazil Mm -hmm. all the time and all these things. So I, like you've mentioned, and like we've talked about, I mean, I just, I love the fact that they're creating a platform for a lot of the guys like you guys who are on that regional scene to get that, that top level exposure before you get there where before you used to have to get, you know, 15, 20 fights on the regional scene and fight whoever they could get you for where now you're able to be a little bit more selective and take tough fights like that because you know, you're fighting in an organization like APFC that's going to provide you that top level competition. Um, Speaking of top level competition, you know, one thing that I remember from our last chat, I know you keep up on a lot of the fights just like we do. So I figured who better to ask and get his thoughts than you um, off of what we just saw with UFC last weekend. I was checking it out in between the bachelor party. We got Devin's getting hitched this weekend. I got to go throw on a suit and try not to bust my ass at a wedding. But in the meantime, I caught some fights in between that. What do you think of what we saw from UFC? We saw the big win from Alex Pereira. You had uh, Jessica Andrade shutting down Mackenzie yeah. Dern and then you had Aspinall you know kind of living up to a lot of his hype against uh Pavlovich even despite being hurt yeah that
1: whole those last three fights were just crazy like I thought Mackenzie Dern was gonna do a little better like I knew it was a tough fight for her obviously but mm-hmm. like how the commentators were saying like her striking looked like it decreased like it got worse somehow and I was I mean I, she's got to adjust something because that was. Obviously, her ground game really good, but if you don't have the striking and wrestling to get it to the ground, that doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Jessica Andrade did a good job you know, shutting that down. In um, the Aspiro, that that was that was crazy. Like, it was like what two minutes? A minute maybe, right? Into sixty something seconds. Yeah, like that's that's insane. Especially and the yeah.
0: leg kicks she ate too, man. Like she didn't check none of those leg
1: kicks. Yeah, at all. there there's no like I don't know. It, it was weird. If they she was just chasing her, trying to swing yep. and land something. There's no nothing behind it.
0: If we're going to
2: talk on that one real quick, I know it, had been, it got brought up by the commentary team as well, but I had seen a lot of people talking about it after the fact as well. I feel like Jason Perillo, her now former coach, was really making some significant strides in her game in all of those elements that you were talking about, her wrestling, her ability to apply pressure and not just – look like she's flailing her arms to do it, Uh, her ability to actually kind of throw strikes when, when she should instead of just doing it to, you know, close the distance. I mean, it's, I don't know what the reasoning was or whatever. I haven't really seen anything yet on that. But, I mean, it definitely seems like that wasn't the best move was to try to, Train yourself and kind of just work with yeah. a couple of close people. In her circumstance, at least sometimes it works out great for people. But in this particular circumstance, it seemed like Perillo was really doing some great work to her game, and I think that's where all of us, because uh, uh, hearing both of you guys say it, we all felt like she would do a lot better than that. And I feel like it's because of that fact she didn't have the proper coaching in her corner this time. Yeah, that could I
1: mean- be. Back there sure. Like, like, yeah, I don't know the whole thing that's going on with, like, Jason, like, what what's going on with all that. You know, I heard them talking about it, and that's, like, my first time. Because I wasn't that deep into, like, watching mm-hmm. her training, what's going on. So once they said I, that, that, that makes sense now, you know, like, that's – he. we already know he's a really good coach. I mean, look at Chido Berry and all, all those guys. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what's going on, but if she doesn't go back mm-hmm. to him, she's got to find somewhere or something to do to, to improve because that was not a good showing from her. And I know uh Cheeto actually
2: was just talking about I forget who the interview was with. It might have been Ariel Hawani or somebody, but uh the Ruka gym is actually closed down now, exactly. so that's uh, that that could be a huge reason maybe why she's not working with them maybe uh, you know whatever the reasoning yeah. behind that, but not having you know brick and mortar doors to walk in and out of every day that makes it kind of tough to work with somebody
1: sometimes
0: 100 percent. Definitely something that's got to be, you know, picked up for that next fight. But that said, I mean, what a win for Jessica Andrade. You know, she had a couple of tough fights here, and then to go in against who they were basically trying to build up as one of the next stars uh, in the female division. What do you think that this win does for Andrade next? Where do where do you think we see her next? Do you think she goes back towards title contention, or she's going to have to get another uh, tough um, top contender next?
1: I think maybe one more. You know, that was a good showing from her, obviously. But I think at least one more just kind of kind of really solidify that, you know, like maybe get a, another finish or even, I mean, anything really. But, like, I think one more just like now you can't deny me kind of thing, you know, and that, now I do get the shot. So I think one more would be solid. Even if she does go right away, to be honest, I wouldn't be that mad about either. I mean, again, Mackenzie Derns, her, gra- her ground game obviously was – her, she's probably one of the best grapplers in the female division, right? But yeah. she shut her down with using her striking. So I, I think, again, one more would be reasonable, and then like you can't deny her kind of thing. But, yeah, I would say at least one more fight.
2: If I'm not mistaken, that was her coming off of a four-fight losing streak, if I'm not mistaken. So with I'll that being said, tell you. I, it was either three or four. It was for sure... If not four or three,
1: but who, that being, who are the top 10 right now in that division for females? The, I'm pulling them up right now.
2: That's what I was just going to say is who she was losing to, though, it was mostly in her run up at 125. Now that she's yeah. back down at 115, I feel like that changes the landscape for her career at the moment a little bit. But that being said, I still think she needs even possibly two. I think, yeah, like, like. I think the thing is with Jessica Andrade is she is such a proven commodity, and she's gonna go in there. She's gonna give it her all. She may be beaten, but she's always gonna go in there and give a fight. There's never gonna be a boring Jessica yeah. Andrade fight. So I feel like I don't, I don't think she her stock definitely rose a ton, but in my personal eyes, I feel like it was she was able to implement kind of like what we were talking about earlier she went against somebody that's kind of well-rounded and exposed the weakness that she found in the striking and just dominated in that realm so i i feel like given other matchups against top girls like we've seen how quick i think it was Tatiana Suarez ran through her and stuff like that and it's like i feel like you you got to still work a little bit to get back to the title shot in my opinion
0: well, she's got work to do because I've got the top five pulled up. Even, uh, I don't know if this is like after they updated the rankings because uh, according to what it – well, okay, it must be. Okay, so it says – because it's got a few people moved, but it's got – as far as your top five at flyweight, obviously you have the champ, Alexa Grasso. Number one contender, as they still have it now, is Valentina Shevchenko. Well, number this, two
2: – This was a strawweight fight, wasn't it? She moved back down to 115, I
1: thought. Yeah, they don't 15. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, there it goes. There it is. There's the updated one. So she did move up. So she's uh, Jess gone. Well, she's number five there, too. So it's the same difference. Uh, yeah, so she's number five at flyweight. She's number five at strawweight. But as far as strawweight goes, it's uh, number one is Carla Esparza. Number two is Jan Shonan. Number three is Tatiana Suarez. Number four is Amanda Lemos. Number five is Jessica Andrade. And then at yeah. 25, you've got Shevchenko, Blanchfield, Manon Faroe, yeah. Caitlin Chikagian, and then Jessica Andrage. Yeah. yeah, the,
1: the 25ers are, are more stacked, I feel like. The 115ers, like,
0: again, I think she gets
1: one more. It's like yeah. so the division's not that, that stacked to, like, you know. Like, two more for sure. Like, two more you can't deny or kind of thing. Like, who else is going to fight, you know?
0: I think the only fights that make sense for her at this point, just looking at the top five in straw weight, if I'm honest, I mean, really, if you look at who's there, I mean, the only fights that I really see that could make sense, because remember, Carla Esparza just had a kid, too, Mm -hmm. so she's kind of going to be out the way for a minute, so realistically, at that point, that means she's either going to fight, unless she fights down, she's either got to fight, Amanda Lemos, Tatiana Suarez, or Jan Shaunan. To be honest, I think the fight that they'll make next, because they're both dangerous as far as like trying to come in there and bang and fight, I think I could see Andrade versus Schownan next. Yeah,
1: I like that.
2: I I feel like because of the fact she's still one or you know potentially two one away, uh, I feel like they're gonna do what they've been doing a lot with like. The, the contenders that are close but a couple fights away, they're going to try to give them one of these guys that they kind of like what they did with Dern, where they're like, hey, this is somebody that could p- potentially be somebody in the division later yeah. on. They might just be a little young now, but, hey, they're a fireball. So watch out. This is still a tough matchup. And you win this one, then we'll put you in an actual title eliminator.
0: That's kind of why I think the Yan, the Yan Shonan fight is kind of more the way it goes. Because if you remember in her last fight, they were hyping her up to the fucking hilt, even though she yeah, lost well, her
2: last fight. They were talking before this. So now UFC Shanghai is no longer UFC Shanghai. It's now UFC Apex. But before that became a canceled event, they were originally talking about uh, doing Shonan versus uh, Wei Li out there. So That would
0: be a hell of a fight.
2: Yeah, it, w- it would be a fun fight. But that being said, I mean, that's how highly they think of uh, Shaunaan is that they were already willing to put her in a title bout.
0: So. Oh, I agree. Like I say, that's why I think for this one off on Drage, you know, especially with Shaunaan having the last fight go, I just feel like a lot of these fights, I think, are going to boil down to the styles. And I think the UFC is a lot more interested right now in trying to put fights together, especially in the female side of things. Not that the women don't get in there and scrap, because anybody that knows anything about the MMA fights, nine times out of ten, when the girls get in there, they're ready to scrap almost every time I watch a girls fight. But I think in 2023, like we talked about a little bit earlier, I do think, especially with the amount of fight cards that we have. I think when it comes down to those kind of things, it's going to have a lot more to do with the styles make matchups in this one. Are these fights going to matter? Are they going to be more worried about who can I put in the cage? That's going to put on the most entertaining fight uh, at the given time, or is it going to be, what's the best matchup for my division? We all know that the UFC doesn't always go with what's best for the division (laughs) and they want the best fight that's put in there. So for me, that's why to me, that's the one that sticks out, but you could go any which way with those. Um, Now that we've talked about the ladies, before we get to the main event, man, I just want to say for everybody that was at that bachelor party, I told y'all motherfuckers to watch out for Tom Aspinall, and everybody wanted to say, Pavlovich is a dog. This is going to be a tough fight, which I totally 100% agreed to that. I thought that was the case. But to find out that the guy didn't train for the last two weeks of his fight because his his back's all fucked up, and then to go in there and blow through Pavlovich like that, I don't think John Jones wants to smoke with that kid if uh, he doesn't get the Stipe fight. I'm just putting that out there.
1: Yeah, even on a two-week notice, like, I, I was still going for him, you know. Like, he, he's so athletic for for a heavyweight. I mean, he moves so well and he's so fast. Like, I really like him. And obviously, like, his opponent has a lot of power, but I was rooting for him. And then to find out that his back was in it, too, and he wasn't training, was like, dude, like, how can you not imagine like what exactly. he does if he's training? Exactly. Like, 100%. hot damn. If he
0: does that with no training, <laughs> I'm scared to yeah. see what this dude does with a full camp.
1: Yeah, 100%. I feel the exact
2: same way. I mean, like you said, just the athleticism and quickness that he has at heavyweight, man. It's just wild. Like, you've seen the one two that he threw to finish the fight, and it was like his other fist wasn't even gone out of like the frame yet before he was already like landing the finishing blow. It was like, the the snap snap of his one two was like you don't see that type of stuff at heavyweight it it really was it was just and to have i know it was only it was a very quick fight but he pavlovich landed that one serious shot leading right probably 10 15 seconds before uh the finish and to have your chin tested and then to then lead into that kind of finish it was like in basically in uh, Aspinall's first exchange, really, he was able to get him out of there, so it was it's crazy, man.
1: That That's heavyweight for you, right there. Yeah, the crazy part is like he was, you know, out of shape, so to speak, you know, not training two week notice, and he still looked that fast, that agile. So, like, again, like a full camp, even give him six weeks, you know, like that, that he's gonna be very, very dangerous. He's only improving.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that? go oh, ahead, go ahead. Kyle. I was going to say, well, with that said, I mean, now we know John Jones is out with that peck. What do you think happens? Do you think he tries to go after Stipe or do you think if they try to tell him, we just want you to, uh, uh, unify those belts, do you think that that's a fight that John Jones takes? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I said this on the show and I don't mean this is any slight or anything of the sort. My whole thought, the minute that he came up to heavyweight was I'm going to come in, I'm going to win the title. I'm going to beat Stipe, and if I beat Stipe, I'm done. Because then he would he would have beat arguably who most consider the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. I kind of feel like that's what was on his head. And then when he got hurt and this fight got announced between him and Pavlovich, I'm like, man, John Jones is going to have to get in there with a fucking killer regardless of who wins this fight. And to know that Aspinall went in there and was able to do that with a hurt back, man. Me, personally... I don't know that John Jones takes that fight if this Stipe fight doesn't happen. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he puts that belt down.
1: <laughs> it's interesting. One is like, yeah, that was for sure John Jones' game plan. You know, he beat Stipe like I think he was just done, you know. And now he's off for, let's say, a year, you know, because it's nine-month recovery. So let's say a year. Like, is John Jones, is he going to come back for sure for that one more fight, right? Is Stipe going to wait? And then it's like. I don't think Stipe wants to fight anybody besides John Jones. So, like, if neither of them come back. so. Well, he was
0: pissed that they did that fight for interim title fight. He said, how the fuck does this become an interim and I'm not in the title fight? Which I, for one, was in the camp. The man's got a point because I feel like Stipe Miochik is, like, the most shit-on heavyweight of all time. Like, they talk about him as the greatest UFC heavyweight. But he never gets his rematches when he's supposed to like like there's never like i mean i know this isn't pro wrestling where there's like guaranteed rematches and all that kind of shit but i mean all i'm saying is it seems like every time it comes down to stepe stepe will go out there and fight everybody but he don't never get you know like izzy got the immediate rematch you had i mean you could go down the list of people who got an immediate shot after and i feel like stepe has always kind of got the shit end of the stick
1: yeah yeah for sure i i feel like they they do that he does all these things like you're saying they talk about he's the greatest and then anytime you know and like something good happened for him is kind of like oh we're just gonna go with this guy or, or do this instead you know
0: I'll leave I'll this see. as my last thought on the heavyweights before I get your thoughts on uh Yuri and Pereira but look man I'm a I'm gonna put this flat out and simple like I said I don't know that John Jones wants to take that fight and like you just said, uh, you know they always talk about Stipe as he's the greatest. If think about if this fight with John Jones and Stipe doesn't never happen, the thing that makes that fight so interesting to me, and I had this thought about a few weeks ago, if John Jones and Stipe don't fight each other, that means the Stipe most likely is going to retire, being the only one able to be able to say that he beat Engano, he beat uh he beat DC, he beat um, and I'm trying to think of uh. Yeah, so he's the only one that beat Ngannou and DC both, and Jones isn't going to be able to say any of that. So I feel like Jones wanted that fight with Stipe to happen, more so for the fact, because even though Jones won't acknowledge it, I think he knows if he doesn't get this win over Stipe, because now Ngannou's definitely not going back to the UFC. Yeah.
2: So One thing that's really surprised me is it seems like there's been a huge outcry for from the fans and some of the media as well, that we should just kind of skip the Stipe fight and Tom Aspinall versus John Jones be next. And I'm, Fuck I that I, that's I'm glad somebody else kind of feels that way because I feel like we've had this carrot dangled in front of us for so long now. Stipe is not exactly a young man at this rate, you know. let not at all. all. Let's get him a He's a full-time still. firefighter and shit. Yeah, let's get him while he's still got some meat on the bone, and let's make this matchup happen. So that I, I'm, in love with Tom Aspinall's skill at heavyweight. I can't wait to see what he takes the division to, here in a couple years. Because I think he will have a long run. That being said, I still want to see that matchup first.
1: Yeah, I, I for some reason I just feel like Aspinall won't won't mind to like let that happen. First. You know, you he'd know, be like, smart
0: to let it happen it's a yeah. bigger fight for him when he gets yeah. the fight at this point exactly. in my opinion
1: yeah I, I don't think he would mind to to wait you know like the risky priority would be like he takes one more fight in between because that you know i think it's a long time like and he loses that then what you know but like i don't think he's gonna be the guy to wait you know a whole year so if he takes at least one more fight wins that then yeah like and then that fight does happen and he beats john jones or you know who wins the fight then like yeah, it's, he's gonna be one of the biggest names names in MMA for sure. After that, if Don't they do,
2: run, if they do run a a second interim fight in the span, who would you like to see uh, in that spot?
1: Well, that's interesting. I'd I would, I would have to look at the heavyweight division.
0: Who who's the top? Who's like the top five right now? I'll pull it up right now. I got it up here right now. So
1: you got Almeida
2: coming off that lackluster victory. Yeah. You got Blades who. I feel like is the most interesting one just because of the fact that the injury happened with Aspinall in the blades fight. So it's kind of unfinished business. Um, you got Pavlovich. the top five at
0: heavyweight is Tom Aspinall, Cyril gone, Sergey Pavlovich, Stipe Gunn. Miocic is number four. Jones is the champion. So he doesn't count. Yeah. So number one is Tom Aspinall. Number two is gone. Number three is Pavlovich. Number four is Stipe. And number five is Curtis Blades. I mean, to be honest, the only fight out of that top five that makes any sense for Tom Aspinall to take if the name on the other side of that contract is not John Jones would possibly be Cyril gone But with the I way see. John Jones blew through him, I don't think that that win has as much cachet on it if that's the way it goes anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... I feel like...
2: There's there's time, too, to build up to that matchup because I feel like Surreal Ghosn still hasn't reached that peak in his game yet where I feel like Tom Aspinall it, is steps ahead of him in uh, certain aspects of his game. I feel like if you let that matchup brew for a little bit longer and maybe have it happen in 2025 or some shit, I feel like we'll see a better version of that fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right last one I got to get you out of here on. I know you were watching it again. I told y'all motherfuckers, this is how this fight's going to go. I think Pereira at two Oh five is going to be a fucking problem. I here I said it, you heard it here on the show, Uh, but dude, so Pereira gets him the dub over Yuri Prochka gets him uh, the belt here at light heavyweight. I'm just saying, I'd like to see him and our guy, sweet dreams, uh, mix it up here real quick. I'd, I would like to see that. But what were your thoughts on Prayer's performance? And what do you think of him saying he wants to fight Izzy again?
1: Initially, first thing <laughs> I don't
0: watch is he still looks huge at 205.
1: It made no sense. Huge! As, how do you still look that big at 205? But, no, I figured it was going to be something like that. Just because he's a sharper kickboxer, you know? Like, yes, you can be wild and crazy. But if you have someone in front of you that's that calm and that confident it's like something's gonna happen, or he get caught with something, you know, kind of thing. So, I think obviously he had a good game plan, and like that's kind of what was at least expected on paper, you know. Anything can happen in a fight. But that's kind of kind of how I seen it playing out. Um, and then yeah, him, he's it, fighting Izzy he again. I mean,
0: is it necessary? I don't know if he he wants. I think to. in Pereira's mind it is because Izzy got his rematch, and yeah, he wants but... a rematch now that he lost, but. Yeah, I
1: mean, they've fought so many times, and he's still up, you know. So, it's like, if he wants it just to, for himself, I mean, go for it, you know. But, like, is it necessary for, like, you know, the fans and everybody? I don't I don't think so, really. But, again, that's on him. If, if he needs it mentally to, to get that win back. You know, he's competitive. We're all competitive. So, it's like, I can see why he would want that rematch again. With or the could... way that
2: with the way that the light heavyweight belt keeps changing hands so much uh, over the last couple of years with the Glover run, the Uri run, now um, uh, Poetan's run, you had our boy, Michigan man, uh, Jamal Hill's run there uh, cut short due to injury. Do you feel like this was really solidifying who's the best at 205 for the moment?
1: I, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think so because like, I feel the belt right now, just like in ran through like whoever's like winning in a fight right now is like the champ at like, like heavyweight, you know? So I feel like he won the belt, but yeah, I feel like he needs like one more, you know, big fight, big win. Like, again, like Jamal Hill and like to be like, okay, now I'm the champion. It's kind of like the, I guess the interim, you know, so to speak kind of thing um, right now. So yeah, I think he needs like one more big win to like really say he's the champ. I agree it, with
0: both of you guys on that one, because that's the old saying you always heard. I mean, that, take it back to the pro wrestling side of things is something you always hear from a day. I mean, you could be a champion, but you're not really a champion until you yeah. defend that belt. So, I mean, I agree with that hundred percent. That's why for me, I think the fight to make out of this, dependent upon when Jamal is able to be healed up, I think Pereira versus Jamal is the way to do that fight, especially because Jamal had to give up the title like that as well. And so since there's not anybody is like a dominant longtime champion for him to come back to, I think that's the fight to go with, but either way, dude. I mean, it's a hell of a statement for uh, Alex Pereira. Uh, I definitely am looking forward to seeing how this plays out and goes for Yuri as well.
2: Uh, one more quick question on while we're on that fight: do you, How do you guys feel about that stoppage?
0: Yeah, I have that's... no problem with it, especially once Yuri didn't contest it either. That, that's what I was going to say. Like it
1: looked mm-hmm. early at first. But then when he didn't, like, complain about it, like, well, like, he's the one in there. He's the one that felt it. He's not complaining. Then mm-hmm. it had to be a good stoppage. So, yeah, I agree with that for sure.
2: I, I, I posted something really uh, critical of Mark Goddard because I feel like he's been fucking up a lot of title fights lately. But uh, that being said, uh, I, I do looking back now that, like you said, he didn't really, like, go in defensive mode and stuff. But I feel like with as much as you gotta remember he got
0: dropped right before he started throwing the elbows like i didn't even notice he got dropped like that in the beginning when he first went down like i i didn't realize oh shit he went down to a knee before he started dropping the elbows i thought he was just trying to take him down and then when you see it on the replay he's getting he got clipped on the way in dude and then he landed about six or eight elbows on the side of his head and I, again, to me, what it boils down to is once you see that video of Yuri putting a video out himself saying that Mark Goddard made the correct stoppage, look, if the guy who's getting stopped says that that's a correct stoppage, who the fuck am I to say that it wasn't? Now, if it were something like that and the guy gets up and he's complaining, like, what the fuck? I could still fight. Mm-hmm. I can still go or whatever the case. Now you've got something to talk about. But when All the right. guy himself comes out and puts out a video and straight up says, no, Mark Goddard made the right call. I was buzzed after he dropped me, which is essentially what he said in that video. I mean, I I don't have any – that one I have no problem with because if the guy who got hit is saying that he's okay with it, to me, then that was an okay stoppage. Now, if it were something like that to where he just popped back up and he said, man, you know, okay, I got clipped and it was a flash or whatever, okay, you got a leg to stand on. But the fact that Mm -hmm. Yuri has straight up come out days after the fact and said, hey, well, I think Mark Goddard did what he should have done I don't think anybody's really got a pot to piss in on that one. Yeah, uh,
2: for me, it, uh, sure. You gotta let them title fights go just a little longer, though. I, I just just a hair longer. You, you just a uh, you gotta let it be decisive. And I understand what you're saying, Kyle, and I understand the fact that the fighter themselves said that, but it just leaves it leaves such wiggle room with.
0: But and it also leaves areas where the devil's advocate side to that, from a fighter side of it too, is then the problem is don't get me wrong. As a fighter, you always want to have the benefit of the doubt to be able to fight. But then, if the more you do that, then you start getting into those uh, stoppages where somebody's like, "Well, fuck, He should have stopped it about five yeah. shots sooner. When you um, again, he got dropped on the way in, so you figure okay, he lets it go another 10 seconds, and let's just say Pereira starts dropping them nasty elbows, and then he starts to go limp off the elbows. Then what? Then he's got to deal with people bitching. Oh man, he was out, he should have stopped it about six shots earlier. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the referee's yeah. got a tough job for a reason, and again, like I said, when the fighter's not protesting it, to me, that's like the ultimate. That's kind of like the ultimate decider because you could you and I can say whatever you want watching it on the other side of the TV. But if the guy inside the cage isn't isn't still mad about it and it's days after, to me, that pretty much says what it is. But that's just me. But we have kept you long enough, my man. Before we let you get out of here, let everybody know where they can check out the fight, when the fight is, where they can watch it. And if you got any last words for your opponent, let them know.
1: Yeah, the fight will be live on UFC Fight Pass, November 19th. Um, if you're a local, it's going to be Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right downtown. Um, but yeah, check it out, Sunday, November 19th. And for Dylan Cox, I'm ready for a war, man. If we go all three rounds. Otherwise, I'm, I'm getting a finish for sure, right? We're both finishers, so it's going to be an exciting fight. I think fight of the night.
0: Let's get it. You heard it. My man says it's championship season. It's championship season here at Knockouts and Three Counts. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like I said, I heard a rumor that there might be some really big things coming through here. I heard Five Finger Death Punch might have to roll through knockouts at three counts soon. So until the next time and in in between time, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of it yourself. Make sure you check us out on Millions. Buy a fucking shirt. I'm broke. In the meantime and in between time, peace.